How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode 100 of Master My Garden podcast. And uh, I'd be talking about it for a few weeks now, so it does feel a little bit special to hit 100 episodes when you start out and you have no clue how to perform the tech part of, of uh, recording a podcast and editing and releasing a podcast. And it's all new and you're learning this stuff for the first time on the fly while out in the public domain it's scary and I guess when I got to 10 episodes that felt significant and I I don't know you get you think you're never going to hit 100 episodes and here we are today hitting 100 episodes and it feels exciting I'm quite proud of you know the the 100 episodes or the 99 that have released before today and uh, yeah it yeah feels like a kind of a a significant moment. I know that there's there's lots of people and there's lots of people I'm going to thank. There's quite a bit of work goes into a weekly podcast and I know there's other people who produce weekly podcasts and some of them have significant teams of people, researchers and you know the people who who front the show and then they have editors and social media teams and I suppose I'm a lone ranger in that respect in that I'm I'm doing it all myself from scratch and uh, there's quite a bit of work in it but it's very very heartening to I suppose see and hear the messages of support because I've said it before when you're recording you know sometimes okay it's a guest interview you're talking to somebody but predominantly if it's a, if it's yourself you're sitting in whatever spot you have set up as your recording area and you are not talking to the listeners, you know, and you're not seeing the benefit. And uh, yeah, I, I suppose it, it feels significant to hit 100 episodes and to be, I suppose, to be at al- almost 50,000 downloads again, is, you know, it's a significant figure as well. And I'm, I'm really delighted now that the podcast is starting to get such traction. I have some people that, you know, I want to thank and i really appreciate so firstly you guys the listeners wherever you are and however long you've been listening to the podcast some of you i know have been listening since the very start and who have constantly been there you know with messages and you know supporting from day one i really appreciate you guys who as i say have followed the journey for the last two years but there's also a lot of new listeners and i've been gaining new listeners all the time from all around the world and I really, really appreciate all you guys for every download, every share, you know, everybody that you tell about it. That really helps and really spreads the message even further. For the guests who have come on, uh, to be fair, I don't think there has been anybody who, who wouldn't come on after I asked them. So I know all of these experts that are coming on to talk about something, whether it's their own open garden or an area of expertise and, you know, they're sort of given their given their knowledge on a, on a given area and, and helping you guys the listeners in your own gardens and uh, again to to the guests who have come on thank you so much for that really appreciate it and i know it's a two-way street in that i give you you know you get a chance to promote your own business and i know a lot of the listeners have gone on then to follow and support you guys in your business but it really is important and and I'm very, very grateful for you guys coming on and, uh, I suppose, helping out. 
with with the podcast. As I say, the listeners, you guys are, are what it's all about. You know, every episode, I want it to be something that helps you in your own garden. And I suppose off the back of that, uh, looking at this week, you know, episode 100, I was originally planning to do, you know, get somebody high profile and bring on a high profile gardening person. And that would attract a lot of attention to the podcast for that episode. But then I started thinking about it a little bit and I feel that it really needs to be, you know, the core of what Master My Garden is and what I'm trying to do here is to help you guys in your garden and to, I suppose, to assist you on your journey as you're, you know, going to do whatever it is in your garden, whether it's growing vegetables or flowers or whatever it is. And that's what it's about. So I wanted to bring it back that way a little bit today. And I'm talking to three listeners of the podcast and talking about their garden and their gardening journey. And I think it's, it's much more true to the core of what I'm trying to do here. And it really, it really is heartening when I talked to the, to all three of them. Uh, it was really heartening to see how the podcast has helped them and, you know, I suppose get tips off them as well, how they'd like to see it developing going forward. So yeah, totally different to the, to the big high profile. Um, and that person had agreed to come on and hopefully touch wood, we'll still get them on at some point in the future. But, in terms of this episode, I really wanted to keep it to the listeners. Uh, I have one other sort of group of people to thank. Um, podcasting for me is done and Master My Garden is done in my spare time. So it's always, I suppose, family time, I guess. And a huge thank you to Rebecca Frey and Emmy, who, well, I suppose in the early days, Emmy was just a baby. And a lot of the time I was recording after she was gone to bed at eight o'clock. So thanks to her for being quiet after that time and to Frey and Rebecca I suppose at times I have been recording when yeah as I say it's family you know generally speaking it's during family time that I'm doing this and uh, yeah a huge thank you to all of those three for I suppose supporting what I'm doing and understanding what I'm doing and it means a lot to have that support so as I say this week um I'm really proud to get to 100 episodes, delighted that you guys are, I suppose, listening and are there every week supporting the podcast. And now for this week, I want to, I suppose, hear your stories a little bit. So as I say, three listener interviews. The first one is from Imelda, who's gardening in France. And it's a really interesting story. She has connections with County Mayo, but she's gardening in her garden, you know, since the 1980s. Then I talked to Stephen, who's a relatively new gardener, but is doing quite a lot in his garden in Cork. And then I finally talked to Abby, who's a very new gardener, quite a new listener to the podcast as well, but has moved into a house that has an existing garden uh, since August 2021. So, you know, very new to, to this garden. And she's sort of learning as she goes and getting something from the podcast. So, it was really interesting to hear the different stories and the different stages that people were at and how the podcast has been helping them. So without further ado, uh, I'll move to our first interview, which is with Imelda. So I'm delighted to be joined for our uh, the first of our, I suppose, listener interviews. And as I say, I really wanted to, to talk to listeners for this special episode 100. And uh, I suppose here 
what people are doing in their own gardens and how the podcast is helping them and what they're getting from it. And also, I suppose, get a bit of feedback that I can tailor it going forward to be more beneficial to, I suppose, to, to, to you, the listeners. And I'm delighted with this first interview, particularly because we're going to France and I'm speaking to Imelda Morris, who has agreed to come on and uh, she's gardening in Burgundy and it's going to be really interesting to hear that. So Imelda, thank you very much for agreeing to this and thank you for coming on episode 100 of Master My Garden podcast. You're welcome, John. I'm delighted to be here. It's very interesting yeah, so, to take part. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great to have you on and it'll be great to hear your story. So you're gardening in, in Burgundy, uh, which is really That's interesting right, yeah. and must be very nice, I'm sure. So maybe just tell us a little bit about your garden and, and where it is and I suppose the, the type of gardening that you're doing. Okay, so um, uh, my garden is around our house in Bone, Bone, which is famous for its wines. It's the capital of Burgundy wines. Uh, and the house is kind the garden date from the 1970s. And we're here for about 30 years now. Um, when I when we moved into the house, it was what I would describe as a very well manicured garden with a, a beautifully cut hedge and flower beds and not a not a weed inside yeah. and not a blade of grass growing out of the way. And that has changed totally uh, for several reasons. <laughs> uh, I didn't really know how to manage that kind of a garden. I didn't at the time. And also because uh, drought is becoming more and more of an issue so that uh, we I have to garden, if I want to garden, more in tune with what is manageable in in the climate conditions that we have. Yeah. So it's a much wilder style of gardening. I allow a lot of things to just do what they want to do. I, there are lots and lots of plants, even trees, bushes that were sown by the birds. The biennial flowers just kind of look after themselves. They, they self-seed around the place and I just pretty much leave them to it. And there are lots and lots of wildflowers in what used to be the lawn. Yeah, so you're, you've moved from what was a manicured garden and, and has evolved over time to this to this wilder, I suppose, this wilder that's, style. Uh, that's right, yeah. And have you noticed then with that change over to wilder style, a sort of a, a, a big change in the in the biodiversity in your garden, in the nature in your garden? Yeah. Well, I have, yes. Um, I, I make sure that whatever I choose to plant, it has several functions. It's good for the pollinators. It might create shade. It might be good for birds to eat uh, and so on. They, anyway, they have several functions. Uh, so I have noticed, particularly in the past three or four years, an increase in the insects. Uh, very much so, the kind of insects and the numbers of them. I have more time available to me for looking at them on the one hand, and also I deliberately leave a certain number of areas uh, fairly even wilder so that they can come and go as they please. Yeah. It's a, and uh, that's that's very interesting to observe. So that's a more, it's a more relaxed style anyway. So the manicured style, I guess, I won't say it's going out of fashion, but it, it there certainly is a move away from that because 
Well, mm-hmm. in your mm-hmm. in your scenario, you didn't have, as you said, you didn't have the time or in some cases the expertise to, to manicure it and to yeah. continue it in that way. But mm-hmm. it's also, I suppose, when you're gardening like that, you really are, you're kind of always fighting against something, aren't you? You're really fighting. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love walking around the garden and seeing something new, seeing something that I hadn't noticed before, seeing something that I didn't plant. Yeah. I don't know where it came from. Uh, whereas I think previously, the previous owner would have been horrified <laughs> to come upon all these uh, wildflowers or tr- I have yew trees and I have mahonia bushes and I have, what else have I? I have an elder flower tree. I'm not sure that's the correct name. Yeah. Lots of these things that they just popped up and I just love seeing them. I love discovering them and then seeing them develop. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. So it is. Yeah. So, so mm-hmm. it's, it's a little bit of a surprise. And yeah, I, I'm seeing a lot of people as well. And I certainly have noticed that and I spoke about it on the podcast. It's it's kind of amazing how interesting and how. How looking at nature and looking at butterflies and bees and insects mm-hmm. on your plants Mm-hmm. I don't know what you call it. Um, there probably is a good word for it, but it's very, it makes you happy anyway for a start. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm sure mm-hmm. there is a word for it. Yeah. It's, it's uh, grounding <laughs> yeah, yourself yeah. in nature my, or whatever they call it. But when, yeah, when my kids were smaller, they and their friends used to laugh at me because I would scream at them to come out to the garden to admire a particular butterfly or a particular caterpillar yeah. or whatever but yes yeah it's wonderful to be to be in wonder at the beauties of nature yes yeah, yeah and I suppose mm-hmm. from from your perspective or from anybody's perspective who's gardening and the way you're gardening is adding to that I think that that brings a level of satisfaction that you know you wouldn't have by having the manicured garden so um, yeah. you know that yeah. what you're doing yeah. is so, helping that and I think that that has exactly, to be satisfying. Yes. You're, 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 you're contributing rather than detracting. And to me, it's important because I, I don't think we'll stay in this house forevermore. It would be important that the people who will come here afterwards, after us, they'll find food. I'm planting fruit trees and bushes and so on. Um, and that maybe it won't be their style of garden, but that they will find things to be, to be in wonder at, to wonder over. I, I feel that sort of responsibility. The word is too big, but anyway, that's how I feel. Yeah, well, it, it is. It is. Yeah. A, it's a good. It's a good way of thinking and a good way of of gardening, I guess. Um, hmm. What what plants are you growing? Is it you know? Is it uh, an ornamental garden and uh, a food garden, or is it yeah. you know? What's your plants and what what are you doing? Well. It's. I think it's more ornamental than plant at the moment. Yeah. Um, I've planted several fruit trees and bushes over the past two or three years. I can only plant at any one time the number that I know I'm going to be able to look after in terms of drought. Okay. When you plant those in this area, I have to be sure that I'm going to be able to keep them watered. During the yeah, they have to have let's say two good buckets of water once a fortnight all through the summer. Yeah. So there couldn't, in my mind, there couldn't be any question of planting 20 trees at a time. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to look after them. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, I have a lot of, um, 
what have I got? I have a lot of the various herbs, uh, sage, rosemary, lavender, thyme, marjoram. Uh, I have a lot, the sage bushes grow enormous, so they do. Um, I have a lot of winter and spring flowering things. I have uh, winter flowering jasmine, helberus, winter flowering honeysuckle, mahonia, which, as I said, it's the birds who sowed all of that. Um, lots and lots of biannuals that just kind of look after themselves. Uh, the thing is, to in our climate, the flowering period is much shorter than in Ireland. Okay. Because of the heat, the flowers will uh, open and go to seed very, very quickly. So that I, I have in mind uh, columbines, which for me are finished by the end of May. And I was in Ireland last summer and I saw some still in full flower into the first two weeks in July. Yeah. Yeah. So, so because of the intense heat then they're... Yeah. Yeah. Your, your flowering yeah, period is they shorter. Go, they go to seed. The flowering period is shorter. Yeah. They go to seed much more quickly, perhaps more efficiently, uh, because then they sow their seeds all around the place and, and they just pop up the next year. Yeah. And did you say uh, a Mahonia so, has, yeah. has started growing from seeds? Oh, I have. It has become a weed. Has it? <laughs> Um, I think it's birds who must have uh, set it. It goes to see, let's say it flowers in March yeah. and into April, and then it has set its seeds, we'll say by June. Yeah. And I presume it must be birds who brought it into the garden in the first place. And um, it's, it's, it has organized itself in uh, various uh, beds all over the place. So it has. Yeah. So it's it's lovely. It smells beautiful too. So it does. Yeah, it's and it's, it's it's great actually early in the season for for bees and that as well. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's very good for that purpose. That's yeah. interesting now because I've never seen mm-hmm. that happening. Certainly here, I've never seen it happening. So that's that's interesting yeah. to see. That. Yeah. Well, I presume it's because the seeds happen sooner and earlier in the season, and they have more time then. And if they fall into a shady place, if they fell into full sun, it wouldn't work. I presume. If they fell into a sh- if they fall into a shady place, they just do their thing, and I find it a year later or two years later, and I decide whether I want to leave it or take it out. Yeah, that's uh, it's. Uh, that and very often I leave it. Very good. It's a it's a great way of doing it. <laughs> um, you mentioned about drought, and and we're seeing periods of that. Are you noticing, or do you think that over the last and you're in that garden? Did you say almost thirty years now? Yes. Are, yeah, are you noticing yeah. the problem getting worse? Yes. Well, it is. It yeah. is. It's um. Uh, the, the 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 sort of date that marked everybody was 2003, where there was uh, extreme heat waves several times during the summer, with very little rain. And of course, the rain that happens then it comes lashing down. Yeah. So if the ground is hard, it does no good whatever. Yeah, it washes off. So uh, yeah, you have to. I have to plant. I have to choose things which are happy enough in drought conditions. I have to accept that at at the end of the month of August, a certain number of plants are not attractive. Uh, they'll become attractive again as you move into the cooler days, the end of September and into October. Yeah. But a lot of them, you, you'd, you'd be afraid that they're never going to they're never going to survive. And I've lost a good number of trees to drought, so I have. Yeah. I've had to take out a lot of trees uh, at different times just because they just. At the, this this year now, I'll be taking out an American gum tree, which has been failing for three or four years, and this year it's just finished altogether. Yeah. Uh, so that's 
I've, I've noticed that actually uh, fairly mature trees here because we, we've had now mm-hmm. um, the summer of 2018, I think it would have been. Uh, mm-hmm. we, yes, we had a yes. really prolonged dry period and we've had yes, a couple yes. of those mm-hmm. since then. I think that that particular mm-hmm. period weakened a lot of trees and then yes, their ability yes, to ride yes. out another one just isn't there, doesn't exactly. seem to be there. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I've seen. So it is. Yeah, over over. It's not it's not automatic. No. It's not the first time, or it's not the second time, but over several years, uh, the impact there's, there's a big impact. Yeah, and it's yeah. funny because here mm-hmm. here anyway, if you said to somebody, I think that's drought, <laughs> they actually would laugh at you and and not yeah. not think that to be the case because we do get so much rain, you know, throughout the year generally. Yeah. But yeah. I I yeah. definitely think yeah, those yeah. couple of periods have. And when they're coming quite regularly, they're not getting the chances. Not the roots are not getting a chance to, I suppose. Re- they're not. Redevelop. They're not recovering. They don't. Yeah, yeah. They don't have the time to do, to recover. Yeah, yeah. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, you, you've been listening to the podcast for a little while now, have you? I think I started uh, during the second lockdown. I think uh, early in the year. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, so it's it's great to have you as a listener, and I suppose. The aim of of having some listeners on episode one hundred was to kind of hear from them what they're doing in their own gardens, and I suppose to tailor the episodes going forward more for for the listeners. So tell us what parts of the podcast or what type of content you like to hear about, and uh, you know what you'd like to see more of, maybe. Uh, well, um, there there's almost nothing that I haven't liked. I think. But uh, what I do appreciate is, as I mentioned, that often you go into really very lengthy detail uh, on a particular subject and sometimes you answer questions, maybe things that I have come up against and I haven't had a solution. And I say to myself, well, if someone had said that to me before I started the particular project, I wouldn't have had that problem. Mm-hmm. Also, there is a lot of, uh, by you show that fact, it's my line of gardening, let's say. For example, you had the program about, uh, do you call it um, mycelium? Oh, yeah. yeah. Which, which, which I get from, from uh, under my trees kind of thing. But, you know, there are a load of people who don't even know that word. Yeah. So that on the one hand, there's the detail and then there's sort of forward thinking stuff that, that, that's, that's the kind of gardening I want to do. And the, the various experts then, uh, it's, that were people who really know what they're talking about, who've been there, who've done it, who that that's that's really interesting. So it is. Yeah, very good. And is there a particular is there a particular topic line that you you you'd like to see more of? Well, um, as I mentioned, I'm very interested in permaculture. Yeah. So I am um, in a very small way. I try to do it in the garden. Uh, I don't produce much food, but what I do, uh, even with ornamental things and so on, I try to do it in that style. So that's something that I, I'm always interested to hear more of. And also the business um, of planning. I'm no good at planning. Yeah. I'm no good at sort of creating a plan and sticking to it and having a result. Yeah, I suppose I, I, I'll put my hands up there. I know the how-to part of the planning bit of it and... Yeah. It's maybe the, the actual application of it that, that falls down with me from time to time. But I suppose that's, uh, 
that's, that's all part yeah. of it. Um, in terms of... It's all part of it, yeah. Yeah, and this is episode 100. And again, I'll put my hands up. We've actually recorded this for the second time because I made a mess of the recording <laughs> the first time. Uh, so it, a huge thank Could you. happened to anyone. Yeah. Um, a huge thank you to Imelda for giving me her time. And it's um, a real pleasure to talk to listeners. And it's a particularly a ple- pleasure to talk to somebody in a different country or who's gardening in a different country. Because I suppose the challenges that we see or face, they're not unique to, you know, the the issues of drought, we're, we're seeing them. Uh, Imelda's seen them in her garden in France and mm-hmm. it's been replicated yeah. in other places. So the solutions for yeah. that are, are, I guess, they're similar in, in, in all areas. And something Imelda yeah. mentioned in, a, in an email to me, in Ireland, we have so much grass clippings and I've been using grass clippings this year for mulching beds and I cannot speak highly enough about how success, successful that has been for several reasons, it has improved one area for me that has really poor soil and also for from a moisture retention point of view, it's it's a really good thing. And Amelda, you mentioned that you can't understand why we're not doing more of it in Ireland. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, it's um, it's astonishing to me because I, I use it in France. I, I don't take any grass any place. I, I take grass from my neighbours. Right. To use it in the <laughs> I asked them, could I have the grass? Yeah. And uh, I've done it in Ireland also and on a very small scale and it has worked for it. Cre- it created soil over a year. Wow. So no digging, you know, just cardboard and grass. And a year later, the small area was ready for planting. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't so, it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The area that, mm-hmm. the area that I noticed was poor like yellow yellow heavy soil that wouldn't be good for growing anything and just basically from april this year through to and it was planted in it was planted in june with sort of perennials and digging in a couple of more plants there a week or two ago and the top two inches now are are black and earthy and full of earthworms which is so yeah 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 that's so gratifying. Oh, yeah. unreal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, I was really surprised actually, um, because I knew it was obviously going to be beneficial, but I was surprised, like, yes. looking at two inches of good quality black earth and then the earthworms yes, just yeah. everywhere. I thought that was brilliant. Everywhere. Yes. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all good. Yeah. yeah. Um, Amelda, as I said, <laughs> this is the, the second time we've recorded this because I made a mess of the first one and I really, really appreciate you listening to the podcast and I appreciate you coming on to tell us your story and your gardening story. So thank you very much for coming on episode 100. Okay, that's great. I'm delighted to be here. Okay, good luck. Thank you very much. With the rest of the, as you go forward, good luck with it all. So that was really enjoyable. Um, it's brilliant to see, you know, when she moved in, when Amelda moved into that garden in the 1980s, that it was a manicured, a manicured garden. And now that she, you know, she's putting her own stamp on it. She didn't, as she said herself, she didn't have, I suppose, the skill set to keep that manicured look. But it also wasn't what she wanted. So she wanted a more natural style garden, a more easier, in in tune with nature style of gardening. And, you know, she seems to have got around to that now and has developed over the years and delighted to hear that she's getting something from the podcast and sounds like I could learn quite a bit from her myself. So, um, yeah, really, really interesting chat. Next, I moved to 
Cork to talk to Stephen, who's, I suppose, at a different stage, but it's really interesting, again, to, to hear Stephen's story and to hear how the podcast is helping him. So for this second guest interview, I'm joined by Stephen Berkeley, and Stephen is a listener from Cork, just north, north Cork, uh, near Fermoy, and uh, I suppose Stephen has been uh, listening for a good while, and in fact, he sent me a message on Instagram at one stage there to say he was gone back through some of them for the second time, so it's great to, great to hear that and that there was something in it for you. So Stephen, thank you very much for doing this, and you're very welcome to episode 100 of Master McGarden Podcast. No matter, John, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, as I said, this episode, I just wanted to have a chat with people who, who are listening, who have been listening, and maybe who are getting something for it from the episodes, and I suppose to hear a bit about what you're doing in your garden. So tell us a bit about what it is that you're doing. Is it, you know, is it ornamentals? Is it, is it uh, vegetable growing and, and that sort of thing? And just tell us how and what you're doing. Yeah, well, I suppose I'm, we're on a pretty big site here, um, about an acre of land altogether around us so uh, it's just quite a bit of maintenance and I suppose it's yeah. kind of a garden that's in development really I'm kind of trying to add add bits year by year as you know time time is of the essence time allows the, yeah time is of the essence with these kind of things so um, and labour look um, yeah. so I've been kind of adding beds here and there um, I have a lot of trees and, and quite a lot of trees in our in our plot here. I suppose I've up to I think about seventy five trees, different varieties, oh. loads of different varieties. Yeah, some some nice rare kind of varieties too. I suppose um, my father in law would be a big tree man, and uh, I think he's running out of space at the moment. So a lot of them can end up over our side of the ditch, <laughs> which is which is great. Um, and uh, of of those you know, your seventy five odd trees, how long are they planted now? Oh, you'd have the early ones would be in about ten or twelve years. Now, right, yes. our, our our drive is lined with we've hornbeams on one side and we've a mixture in of um, the silver birch. There's a couple of acers on the other side, um, and then there's more hornbeams far up. But amongst the garden, then I have cherries, London plains. I have a sequoia, I have a sequendry, and I have a meta sequoia planted about thirty yards from the house. Lovely. Then it, the kind of we'll say the east gable of the house now again about 20 yards 30 yards from it we have a little bit of an orchard so there's a selection of apples we've cookers eaters there's a couple of plums there even though I lost one there now last year I was in order to get some kind of a, a fungal kind of a thing but it totally dies um, right yeah long established it was there a good few years yeah I'm not too yeah. sure what happened to it but it was completely gone there was there was no saving it like I pruned it back took off a lot of the dead the dead wood on it thinking uh, it might come back and might shoot from lower again but no nothing came of it right. I do have another plum so I don't, I don't feel too bad about it even though yeah, yeah. a couple of years ago it's, it's something that hasn't really sprouted for me too well uh, but a couple I'd say two years ago I was I went out and there was a massive amount of fruit and I was like oh this is brilliant now looking forward to trying these and about the next day there wasn't one plum left in it I would say there could have been 150 plums on it and not one not even I was like they surely missed one oh the birds yeah <laughs> the birds got it not one uh, I was like oh no that's a so, killer isn't it yeah and I'd been waiting a few years for it to fruit or whatever it was it just never seemed to and you don't mind leaving a couple for them but when it's Absolutely. the opposite way around and they take yeah, them all it's, yeah, it's a bit I'd frustrating all right like yeah. I mean I have, I did a lovely bed there last year I, I and I grew it from, I, I put in a couple of Arbina bonariensis at the back and I mixed with a few um, Calamagrostis carol forester. It's a lovely tall grass. It's yeah. it's one of, be one of my favourites. But I planted um, from seed. I did a lot of rutabecchia. It was a dwarf mix. 
grew them from seed in, in 77 cell trays and plant them into a bed. And you know what? I'd repeat that flowering uh, scheme anywhere in the garden again because the butterflies, the bees were swarming it for the whole summer. It was incredible to see it. Like, it was it was unreal. I couldn't get over the verbena, the attraction for them and the rutabetia. Yeah, verbena, verbena is brilliant. And, and then it, it's, oh, it's, it's, flowering, yeah. it's flowering strong in the first year that you saw the seed, which is brilliant uh, as well. Yeah. So, and and all, all, obviously when you have it, it, it naturalizes itself around. So what I did this year, I had a few planted on another, on, on the bank, on the up the drive on the left. I had a couple in there, but they managed to seed themselves with a gravel driver load yeah. of them seeding it so I was able to pluck them put them into a pot and I'm after getting 18 more plants now this summer alone into a pot and sure I'm going to put them over amongst my apple trees it's very um, I'm going to say naturalised but it's, it's just not it's not a maintained <laughs> area I don't mind which I'm quite happy with it yeah yeah it's exactly what you're looking for yeah it's littered with um, oxide daisy so Brilliant. it's white kind of early summer um, they obviously die off and they do their own thing and then you get I've loads of net, nettles there now but you know what to be honest John I, I, I'm, I'm into my lawn I have a top section of lawn that I, I keep well but I'm happy then to have the, the kind of the, the natural the areas, areas that, around that, you know, that, that kind of offset me having a nice lawn <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm very conscious of, of you know I'd be conscious of the environment and I, I know the talk you know people not having lawns and you know our maintained lawns but I've only, I only keep I suppose of all the, of the whole lawn, it's probably only a quarter of it that I actually yeah. keep. It's the part that you can see, I suppose. Now, it is the bottom, so our garden is tiered, so it goes out about 20 metres and then drops down, and there's another maybe 10 metres, which is lawn too. And uh, I did, at the start of the summer this year, I was like, you know what, I'm going to leave it go, and I'm going to leave yeah. it go to a wild meadow or whatever comes of it. Got very long, tall grass, like like a, a silage sward for all the, re, all the world. No yeah. no weeds through it, no anything through it. And I was like, how am I gonna? What am I gonna do here? Like I can't. It's too big of an area to to kind of nearly sow a wild meadow into, and I'd have to take off the top. So after listening, to, it was actually San, it was Sandro and uh, oh Sandro, yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen to his and, and about you know wildflowers obviously do better in 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 I suppose poorer soil, but it'd yeah. be quite good soil here. So I ended up kind of getting it back to grass, but it took a bit of work. But you know what? I don't care about weeds, and I'm. Um, I don't. I try not to do any spraying around the house. Like I think last year I did one spraying, but what I did is I waited for all the. There were some lovely kind of wildflowers came up in my gravel, like oranges and pinks, and I was quite happy. I was taking photos of them, and they were yeah. they, they were interesting, like. But then I, I, I yeah. kind of do. I did one spraying just because. I'd, I'd end up having end up like it'd be like lawn running up to the up to the house everywhere you know you'd end up with just yeah. grass everywhere and, so, and it can be yeah gravel is is a continuous challenge anyway it, it, it is yeah yeah it, yeah it's nice it's nice but it, like it, it eventually you know you get you get build up of of dust and clay underneath it and it and, it, and it's perfect for seeding then as you found with perfect the, the as a form with the verbena yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. which was ideal and I, you know what look I'm, I'm never going to termicadam I'm never going to really, I'm, I, I have thought about concreting from maybe the road up to the corner of the drive and I actually had a builder here recently uh, and I, I said to him my, my idea was uh, he was laughing but he was like sometimes I, I've heard crazy ideas and, and they end up being very good what I'd love to do was concrete the driveway right but only on the sides where the wheels would be and leave the middle grass like our, yeah well i've our, seen i've seen that done not in ireland now but i have seen it done and and in the middle they're planting things like uh you know the the not no not the field daisy but the species daisy and, yeah yeah uh, 
It looks class. Yeah, it looks class. That's I've what I'd love that. to do, and it would it would look like a, a boring, but a, you yeah. know, it would be somewhat maintained, but not like like obviously maintenance. Like if you want your place pristine, it's going to take time. I don't want that, but I want yeah. you know. Yeah, uh, I, I want to idea. cut down a maintenance. Like I you know, obviously it was a large plot here, and I mean I could spend from from we we'll say April to October if you gave me eight hours. Every week, I would easily lose it in the garden. I would say, yeah, yeah, you know, know this but I love that's it then the at the same time. Yeah, actually, <laughs> that's know? the thing. You, you, you like it. Tell me this: the the seeds that you grew for the, for the perennial border. Did, do you have a glass house, or were you sowing them in windowsill, or what were you doing? No, do you know what I did? I last year I had a, a cousin of mine actually gave me an old shed, a, an eight by six shed, a timber shed. I yeah. never put it together because I ended up getting a steel a steel one built myself. So what I did was I I cut that up into kind of eight foot wide by about four foot deep and got a, a plastic a perspex sheet and made a door for the top of it so I had a bit of a cold frame. Ah, oh, brilliant, yeah. So I put that outside amongst the apple trees and it was enough to, it was it was enough for the seeds to germinate in it. Um, and, and I did it with a lot of sunflowers too and they, by the time, by the time the frosts were gone I was able to leave them out and, uh, you know, the, yeah. I, I actually felt guilty yeah, I felt guilty afterwards because I had a load of the or the uh, the, the rutabaga dwarf mix, and I had a load of them left over in pots. I ignored to put them in, like, and they ended up dying because I didn't water them where they were. And I was like, oh my god! And when I thought back, when I when I saw how they turned out in the bed, I was like, why didn't I pop them anywhere in the ground? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now there might have been but only I, ten or twelve of them, but you know, still. I know. Yeah, it's frustrating, but. Uh, Actually, that's something that people don't use enough of because I know not everyone has the space or whatever for a, for a glass house. But a cold frame is just such a brilliant way for for perennial seeds that you know, as you said, you're sown in the springtime or even in the autumn time in some yeah. places, and yeah. the following year you're able to have a fully flowering bed from June through yeah. to October. You know, it's brilliant. Yeah, it was amazing. And like, I I I love a greenhouse or I love a polytunnel, but uh, not so much a polytunnel. Just you know, I I love a greenhouse and I I build it. I I'd love to build it with um, you know the what's it called the, the perspex, not the perspex sheeting, the um polycarbonate polycarbonate. But what yeah. I was thinking even for maybe next year is extend the cold frame and buy buy polycarbonate sheeting and extend it and maybe have three meters wide by a meter deep and that would be sufficient for me to sow a few seeds and you know do what i need to do oh yeah um, and like you, you get so much like cold frames really are they're, they're not they're not utilized that much like but they're super they're super thing in the garden because oh this was brilliant in fact you know what thing uh, germinated even quicker than i expected and, and like i was ready to take out the the um sunflowers because they were gone they were gone a foot and a half high and the door was deleted the, the, the cold frame was pushing them down but it still wasn't quite warm enough to maybe have them outside so i was kind of yeah, like yeah yeah Leaving it open during the day and trying to tip them over small, but it might hope they'd be all right. Now I got yeah. plenty of sunflowers out of it, which was great. Um, I did them with the, I have a three-year-old daughter, so I built a little, um, I built a little um, a potting table inside my shed. So it was basically an old desk, and I put four by two edges with four by two on edge, little bar, like for a little border. So it came into a little potting bench. And we just went over there in the early spring, put on our coats and our hats and she'd go up and she'd be throwing the compass into pots and we'd put in all the sunflower seeds and she was happy out and you oh, know she'd love and, it, yeah yeah and, yeah and then seeing a freya too actually yeah oh she yeah very good <laughs> yeah and and i suppose yeah. down when when it flowers then she'd be super excited over that then as well it's, oh it's, yeah it's, and it's, i mean I, I i had a couple of varieties of sunflowers here i think they were russian giant or american giant they were 
eight, nine, ten foot even, some of them. Brilliant. Yeah, great, great fun. Y- you're... I would say you're sort of a fairly experienced gardener anyway by the sounds of things. Not at all, Jesus. No, no, no. I, I, you know what? It's all, it's all self-taught. I, I kind of get, when I get kind of interested in something, I get really stuck into. You know, I, yeah. it's something that really interests me. And I suppose with the whole COVID situation the last 18 months, and we had no excuse but to, I suppose, stay at home. And, and I, I love the outdoors. Like, I, I'd be outside morning, noon, and night if I could. And I try to encourage her to come out with, her, with me as much as I can. And, yeah. I I spend all day out, like yeah, yeah. Um, but you, you you've been successful doing. You know, I won't say they're tricky, like you know, but you, you've been successful. You know, with growing your own perennials and and really yeah. that's that's something that's you know everyone can do. But yeah, it's, it's good. It's good that you're able to do something like that and then follow it through to, and and see the benefits of it in in a full bed during the year. Yeah, and I even um, have um, I'm, I'm here looking now. I have um, forty eight. They're in the kind of, I suppose, seven to ten centimetre pots. Forty-eight steep tenisimo ponytails growing oh, from yeah. trees. They're about. You messaged me, all right, to say. Yeah, I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like I, I, I have a bit of work to do at the front house. I have a bit of a wall to put up, and behind the wall, and say the south-facing side of the wall, I'm going to do a bed the whole way along. It'll probably it's going to be close on thirty-five metres to bed long, and a bit maybe a metre deep up to that wall. And I'm going to, I'm just going to, I want to plant it up. I want to adopt as much of a no dig policy as possible, <laughs> and yeah. enter up with stuff that you know, stuff for our pollinators. Really, you know. Yeah. Um, at some stage, I would love to have bees, but um, I don't think I, I don't think I'll, I'll find the time at the moment. Again, I, yeah, I'm a bit the same. Uh, actually, there's a good, good few similar similarities. Our side here is two acres. Again, it, yeah, that was for, forced upon us for planning reasons and. The garden element of it is probably about an acre, and it is really in development. Like it's not by any means a finished garden. And, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's, there's a lot of similarities there, and I definitely like to get bees myself. But again, time for me would be would be the biggest challenge as well. Yeah. Um, tell me this in terms of the in terms of the podcast. Um, what do you find is beneficial in it, and is there more of any particular type of content that you'd yeah. like to see more of, or? anything that you'd like to cover that hasn't previously been covered you know that kind of thing yeah jeez how long how long is a piece of string uh, <laughs> I, I think i've listened to every pod i know you mentioned there about me listening back to some of them twice i'd say i'm gone up to number three in, in some episodes because you know when you're listening to plant types or uh, you know you I, I keep listening back to certain certain podcasts that i might want to know more of or you know yeah. one is one, the one on the grasses was particularly interesting. the box hedging you know uh, that was very informative because I, I have box hedging here and got a little bit blocks blight and I was like I don't want to dig it up I'd like for it to come back um, and I, I know you mentioned that about the, the top boxes health mix which I did yeah. I got and I, I treated some um, hydrangeas with that as well um, it has uh, recovered is it coming back? yeah it is yeah, yeah, it's coming back now thankfully Good. I have um, I have fairly I wouldn't say free access but I have, I have access to a lot of well rotted manure I got a couple Good. of her, my partner's father uh, keeps cattle there, so um, he has plenty of it. So um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. It's it's like gold putting in around bed. So I've lowered that and put in around the box. Just uh, maybe two or three weeks ago. So I'm hoping that next year now with a, a small bit of a treatment and a bit of a feed and stuff, it might recover a bit more. Yeah, it's amazing um, the way it has caught across the country. Like it, it there was no sign of it for years, and then all of a sudden it yeah, spread. Yeah. Um, it's crazy, yeah. Um, I know people are moving towards the, the holly box and stuff, but it's still nice to be able to keep 
We'll say. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And the holly box is gorgeous as well. And, and to be yeah, fair, yeah. It, it gives no trouble. But it's like all of these things. And I suppose a bit like I was talking about the hedging a few weeks ago in Portuguese laurel. Like everyone's using that at the moment. But who's to say in 10 years time that there won't be a disease that's, you know, riddling and that? You yeah. know? And, that, and that's interesting that, now, as you said, because I have a lovely Portuguese laurel hedge surrounding with a, a garage here that's um, away from the house that we got converted a couple of years ago. But I have a lovely Portuguese laurel around it. About two and a half to five healthy, healthy out, perfect. And then I went over at the far corner of the house, just a bordering a bed kind of, where it's kind of a block out kind of sheds and stuff. And uh, it's 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 after getting riddled with some kind of a fungus. And now I did look it up, and I, I listened to your podcast there, the last one, the hedging, and you did mention something about funguses. Better. Yeah, there is. There, well, there's two types of fungal disease that are attacking it now, but they're not that terrible prevalent here yet. Yeah, but I suppose that's the thing. Like, it, there was nothing, but there was no box blight here ten years ago, and yeah. now it's kind of widespread. And you know, it doesn't matter what if there's a plant that's sort of going well now. You don't know just in ten years' time there could be something affecting that. So yeah, um, but my but, Portuguese uh, Laura knows after getting hit by something or another anyway, and it doesn't look one bit healthy. Yeah, well, the health the health mix actually would do that no harm either. Would it? You know, it, yeah, 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 it would would be decent enough as well. Yeah, um, what type of content would you like to see more of, or is it is it a sort of general? You're you're not growing veg, am I right in saying that? I, you know, what? I'm not, and I, I I I I'm starting to feel guilty nearly about it because I have it's not I, I it's not that I lack space. Um, I do have a section. Say my, the lawn runs over to that bed where I'm selling with the verbena. Bonariensis and the, the rutabecchias and stuff. On the other side of that, I have a nice, there's a bit of laundry. And what I'd love to do is put in maybe 10, and it, and it would be perfect when you put your pet's room, 10 raised beds and have like carrots in one, spuds in another, broccoli, yeah, you know. Yeah. Again, I, I I don't know if I have enough to germinate, with, you know, like I, I'm not, you know what, it's just a case of re- trial and error you know that's yeah. a lot a lot of my stuff has been try it i mean a packet of seeds is a couple of euros they don't if they don't work they don't work um yeah, sure. seeds are they're, they're really like i was i mentioned it a couple of times i was some i don't know some pound shop or other and i saw there was a torn packet of of lupins and it was yeah. down to 55 cent or something but i have 40 yeah, yeah. i 40 odd lupins from it now and like it's just so low risk like you just and literally oh, exactly, anybody yeah. can, anybody can do it. Uh, I have a lot. So. I grew a lot of lupins from seed actually as well last uh, last spring. Just collected the seeds from a couple of lupins that I had the previous year, and they're they're fine plants now. And I actually, strangely enough, one or two of them uh, germinated, and and they grew as. Did you ever see the tree lupin? It's a lupin, yeah. but it's, it comes up on one stem, and then it kind yeah, of yeah. one or two of them actually came through to that to a tree lupin, which right. Which are, I had one a couple of years ago in, in a bed, and it just it kind of failed on me. I think there's only a bit of a lifetime in them. Uh, I actually did grow a couple of tomato plants outside uh, the tumbling tom outside in hanging baskets just the summer gone actually, and they did they ripened away in the in oh, September yeah. kind of mid to late September. The only thing is, it's, it's a long time to be drawing water to to pot oh, yeah. for the whole summer, you know, and and. I, I was never a lover of summer bedding for that reason. You start off with great intentions and you water and you water. And as the summer goes on, you know, I'm conscious of how much water I'm using, even though we have a well here, but I'm so conscious of it. And, you know, I, I, and you just get a bit, get up a bit of small, but, you know, we are there in mid, mid to late August. 
it could take me an hour. Time perspective as well. It takes yeah. a good while, yeah. It could take me an hour, an hour and a half here watering in the evening. And I was, I was saying to myself, oh, fuck it, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And hanging as much as you like being outside, you'd like to do something more productive, I guess. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. Hanging baskets particularly can be very hard to keep watering because if the, if the, if the soil dries out any, or the compost dries out any bit in them, it can be very hard yeah. to get it back to the level where they'll retain, you know, it just flows out over the top or flows down through the middle. I, what I actually have to do sometimes in the summer is take them down and soak them in water to get the moisture back into them and then try. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I'm, summer bedding, mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks lovely, I, I, but I can never seem to replicate what you see in some, uh, I suppose, restaurants. Yeah, and then when, you, when the you see what you did with your, with your Boreenses and all that, like, sure, that's, yeah, and that's you know, much and, better. Yeah, and, I mean, look, these butterflies have no interest in the summer bedding, that kind of um, yeah. hybrid stuff. But, whereas I was out here trying to take videos of slow, in slow motion of bees landing on the verbena and, you know, <laughs> like I was, yeah, yeah. they were enjoyable even when they were in flower, you know, just, and um, another thing I have actually is, it's another Rudebeckia, it's Black Eyed Susan, you know, Goldstrom, which is, yep. spray, has spread massively for me, I have two of them in a the back bed here and, but, what I noticed in the last couple of weeks is they've been, the birds have been flocking to them. They've, the birds love them when the petals are spent, now they're gone. So it's only just a little kind of seed head in the middle or whatever it is. But it's like, uh, you know, chaffinches or something. They're, they're all over. They're eating the seeds. Yeah, every morning they're going mad for them. Yeah. Good. And even I, I, I didn't know. Out. I didn't know that. that yeah, they went and then for and I looked it up and it, it is, it, it's the birds feed them this time of year and they're, and I can I can vote for anyway because you could have ten or twelve money to the plants in the morning when brilliant. you come down. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. Yeah. So what uh, what would you like to see more of of the podcast coming forward, or is it you know is the type of content that's coming your way what you're looking for? Yeah. Um, I suppose look, I, I I'm certainly not specific in what I what I um yeah like any to, any to, any topic you cover. I, I I I've listened to every I, as I say I'd say I've nearly listened to every single podcast. Thoroughly enjoying it, getting to the point where I, could you do more? Could you do another one every week? <laughs> <laughs> um, you're going to wait. I'm waiting for Friday, and you know. Yeah, well, that's um, that's great to hear. Anyway, um, but yeah. I'd say two a week now would be a bit too much of a stretch. No, but, one yeah. a week I think is enough for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I suppose um, content-wise, I do. I do love hearing the the, the updates on your on your tunnel and. Um, you know, you you obviously have great success with it this year, and and the no digging interests me big time. Not solely just even for I suppose the lack of weeds that you've had, but I mean, you're not you don't you don't have to. I suppose it is the lack of weeds really. Not having the weed to me is would be a massive. Yeah, well, and I presume it, you can incorporate that that no dig into flower beds as much as you can. Yeah, well, definitely. Like, beds and, I suppose I I did the. I, I don't know. The, no, nobody owns the the the, the no dig principles, but yeah, yeah. What, you know, going by what Charles Downing does and puts down the cardboard and puts down the the compost on top of it, like I followed that in the polytunnel because of the problem I had there. But within yeah. the within say the flower beds and similar to what you've done with growing your seeds, so I've uh, dahlias, boreenses, uh, agastaches, lots of perennials grown from seed this spring. Yeah, and. I used grass cuttings, fresh grass cuttings off the lawn on that all year. And really, and weeds, there is a few, but it's not, it's not troublesome. It's the sort of thing when you're out there, you see one, you just pull it, but it's not, you know, it's not heavy weeding. And the plants are thriving. 
the earthworms are it's reasonably good soil in one of the beds but one of them is was really poor soil and yellow marley stuff and now that's the top two inches are black really good yeah, yeah. top soily look and it's full of earthworms so it clearly works like this sort yeah, of yeah. constant mulching of of grass clippings not a heavy heavy mulching so it's it's definitely something that works and it's it's saving time the whole way on the chain i think you know yeah and that's the, that's the, i think that's that's what that's what people need nowadays you know yeah time uh, seems to be everyone's um even though I always say then if someone says to me I don't have time my, my, my answer to that sometimes is oh, not having enough time is the, the adult version of saying the dog ate my homework <laughs> <laughs> but it only it only suits me to say that sometimes if someone says something but it, I, I I look I, I, don't, I could easily say it on time I don't like I you know I mean, yeah, I, I work full time obviously as well and and I do know what you mean because yeah should we all procrastinate and yeah, do, exactly. Do, yeah, doddle yeah. along on things, but yeah, there is only so much you know you can squeeze in in terms of gardening. If you're, you know, particularly if you've small kids and work and yeah, you yeah. know all the rest of it. So yeah, it's uh, anything. I, that, I, I say I don't have time for these things, but I could be able, I could model on twice a week in the <laughs> summer, and it probably takes me three quarters an hour to an hour comfortably. Yeah. Um. But I mean that, that could be easily spent elsewhere. Yeah. But um. Yeah. I like I. I I, I I'm always wary of grass clippings. Like I have, I, I obviously have quite a lot of grass clippings when when you're cutting it, but I have spread them in areas. But it does turn like when you mulch over beds and around flower beds like that with grass clippings, does it turn to a kind of a sludge, or is that only if you mulch too too heavy or too thick? So I did it this year, and if you're only putting like an inch or two inches, yeah, on it, and and it will. It will go, like if you get a wet day, it'll go sort of sludgy, but it's really on, because it's so thin, it's getting, the soil is basically consuming it within yeah, yeah. a couple of weeks. So it's not like a big pile of sludge there. It's Yeah, yeah. Like I have plenty of areas here where I could, I mean, I could I could, I could, could easily like um, mulch around places with each cut and, and rotate it enough to not be back to the same place for maybe six or eight weeks again, you know, that kind yeah, of way. yeah. And no, I have a big two-wheel plastic, you know, the big two-wheel kind of wheelbarrows, the yeah. 300 litre ones or whatever. I throw my clippings into that because I could easily walk anywhere in the garden and, 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 and throw them up. But I, I got this silly habit of going in over by my apple trees and kind of scattering it on the ground a bit in there. Yeah. And it's just turned to mush. You know yourself how it turns. Yeah, and it sure does. Um, it goes anaerobic if it's, if it's in a, if it's in a too much in a pile. Yeah. But, but definitely it's, it's working when tin, thinly spread and, not too often, like so. You wouldn't do it every time you mow the lawn, but maybe once every yeah, six yeah. weeks. So that's what I'm doing. Like I'm, I'm taking some of it away and making compost in compost bins. But then in between, I'm, I'm, you know, put sprinkling a layer on it, and it's, it's definitely working. And the soil is brilliant. Yeah, and uh, and I'm looking here now down the end of my garden. I, uh, we're bounded by a ditch. We say all around. It was a field, obviously, at one point, uh, and I'm. Much to people's very annoyance, I, I blow the leaves off the lawn. <laughs> um, but I blow them down into the ditch, and it, it's two and a half to three foot high there now. And it would be, it would, the stuff would be gold dust if I could put it somewhere yeah. better and leave it rot down. It would be, it, look, like, it, looks, it looks like a shame where it is. Now, it will rot down where it is, and it'll keep the weeds down where it is and stuff. But um, I, I, I do have to from create an area. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, like the only reason I draw them off is because obviously I did say we've London Plains in the, in the lawn area. There's a massive leaf in them. If I leave them underground, I, I will have no grass underneath them. Yeah. So it just shows their value. I did it one, I, I left it kind of, on, not deliberately, but I, I did it last year. I just got sick of getting rid of the leaves and left them. And the left was completely bare soil underneath them when I got rid of the leaves after. Like, I mean, if you put down plastic, it wouldn't have the same effect. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? It's incredible. Like, yeah, yeah brilliant. It's incredible, yeah. Um, Stephen, it's brilliant to, to chat to you. Brilliant to hear about your garden. And uh, yeah, thanks very much for listening. And, and thanks very much for agreeing to come on this episode. It's uh, yeah, it's no inter- matter, interesting to see and, and uh, really appreciate it. So and, thank- and thanks a million. Yeah, thank you too for having me on and, and great work with the podcast. It's thoroughly enjoyable. If I do come think of anything, obviously I, I will leave you know if there is any. Oh, for sure, yeah. It might be of benefit to myself or others, maybe even. Um, but keep 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 going the way you're going. You're not you aren't doing too much wrong to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you very much easy. for that, and and thank you for coming on. It's been it's been a real pleasure. Thanks a million, Stephen. Perfect. Thanks, John. So that was a great chat with Stephen, really, really enjoyable. And Stephen said after we finished recording that while I would have classed as listening to him, I would have classed him as, you know, a pretty experienced gardener because he's doing a lot of things. But he said himself that the majority of what he's done, he has learned from listening to the podcast. So what stands out for me in that is that a lot of the time it's about having a go. So... I know I, for one, learn by, I suppose, by doing. A little bit like when I started the podcast, I hadn't a clue. Um, I'm useless with tech, still am. But I hadn't a clue what I was doing, and you just learn on the go. And made a lot of mistakes, still make them. But you're learning by doing, and I always find that a lot better. And to take it back to Stephen, I think that's exactly what he's doing. So, as I say, I taught from listening to him that he was you know a very experienced gardener but it turns out that he you know listens to something hears something in it takes a piece of information for it and then goes and tries it for himself and maybe not everything works out but a lot of it does and you know he's learning by doing and i think that's that's a that's a, a good way to go is to get out and try it have a go so i'm delighted to be joined now for our final uh, listener interview and uh a gardener from my home county, County Leash, and it's Abby Nice. And it's, uh, I suppose, Abby's at a different stage to Imelda and Stephen in her gardening, let's call it her gardening journey, for say. So she's just moved to a new house and, I suppose, relatively new to gardening, I guess. Um, so we're going to hear a slightly different, a slightly different interview, I think, than, than the first two. But... I think uh, she has big plans for the garden and I suppose like us all probably challenges are the time and whatever else so it'll be very interesting to hear this so Abby you're very very welcome to episode 100 of Master My Garden Podcast. Thanks William John and it's great to be here and thanks for the 100 episodes so far. Yeah it's great and as I said I was originally talking about bringing on somebody high profile and uh, you know, doing that for episode 100, but I think this is nicer and I really have enjoyed the, you know, the first interviews and, and this one got to be the third. I think they're more relatable to the, to the, you know, to the rest of the listeners out there. Um, so I suppose tell us a little bit about where you're at with gardening at the moment. And I said, you know, you're probably at a different stage to the other two on your gardening journey in that Imelda, who was on the first episode, 
has been in her existing garden since 1980, whatever it was. And, and Stephen, you know, is established gardening for a bit, period of time. And you're starting essentially into a new garden. And yeah, maybe tell us a bit about that and where you're at in your gardening journey as such. Yeah, sure. Well, um, I moved into a new house in actually it's very close to Leith, but we're in Tipperary. Um, and um, there was quite an established vegetable patch there already. So I moved in at the end of August um, and the owners have left like loads of lovely plants um, ready to harvest and in the middle of being harvested. Um, there's also like a polytunnel of about five metres um, it's one of the kind of polycarbonate oh, ones. Yeah. Um, so that was completely full of tomato plants, um, herbs, cucumber plants that had kind of gone by the wayside a bit. Okay. Uh, they were the lumpiest cucumbers I ever saw because <laughs> I don't think they had enough water for some weeks. Um, but there was loads of courgettes um, indoor and out in the vegetable patch. Lovely. French beans, onions, carrots. Um, it was all there and... Um, that was wonderful to move into, you know, a house, um, but also move into a garden and just be able to start harvesting straight away. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a, from what a bit of an added there. bonus, I guess, to the house. Um, Definitely, um, and also like we're kind of we're trying to maintain it for now with possibility of staying um, long term. So, like even just maintaining it now in the last couple of months has been um, a challenge, but I've really enjoyed it. Um, in terms of trying to clear ground, you know, ready for a bit of new planting, which I did um, kind of through September, um, and also just taking away a lot of the um, plants that had gone absolutely massive. Like there was one, you know, cauliflower plant in the polytunnel that was twice the size of me, like, and I'm almost six foot myself. (laughs) Like it was a real tree, (laughs) you know, like, so it was was really amazing to be able to, I suppose... um, yeah, enjoy somebody else's hard work. Um, but I did have trouble with the glut of courgettes and the glut of tomatoes, just like everybody yeah, else. Yeah, the, the usual um, things. I suppose... Yeah, and even down to the fact that, like, so many of the tomatoes had fallen on the ground of the polytunnel that they're still kind of coming up now. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And they would, but, they would uh, literally grow but, anywhere. But it, 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 yeah. it's good, I guess, moving into a new house. I suppose that, well, firstly, your your infrastructure is there in terms of the, the polythene tunnel or the, the polycarbonate house. But also the fact that these vegetables were grown there, know, you know that it's it's possible and that, you know, the ground is good enough. And I suppose the the general outline or structure is there, albeit that you have to come along now and kind of maintain it and, and eventually put your own stamp on it. In terms of gardening knowledge, where, do, where are, you? are you? Like at the at the earlier stages of, of gardening or have you been doing oh, it for it a long time? Be, yeah. I've I've had herbs like as as long as I can remember, I always try to have a few herbs going. Um I have a good few house plants but I've never had something of this scale to kind of look after. Um I'm lucky in that my parents are both reasonably close by and they would both have a good knowledge of gardening, but there's a certain amount you know, you have to do so much of it yeah. yourself in terms of getting the knowledge together so that you know where you want to progress. Um, so, yeah, even now I'm looking, like, trying to do the plan of last year's garden so that I have it written down so that I can rotate everything, um, hopefully for next year. But I managed to pass some turnips, um, leeks, and 
pak choy, um, some mixed mizuna kind of salad leaves. And again, these are all just cheap enough seeds from, you know, the supermarket. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, having good enough success. So very far. good. And I suppose what, as, as you start now to look at it from your perspective and to put, I suppose, your stamp on it, what are the challenges you have? Obviously, uh, I know you're, you're, you have a good bit going on in terms of your general life, so you're probably busy. Um, and yeah. is time a challenge? And what other challenges do you see, be, you know, with you being able to maintain at least or, or maybe even expand further this existing garden that's already there? Um, I don't, I can't think about expanding right now. I just got a hold of what I have. <laughs> but um, I suppose really, like, I'd like to just imagine spending a lot of time outside. I work part-time and I have a small daughter who's going to be two in next February. So next next summer is really, I just want to be outside of there as much as possible. So um, I'm not sure, I, when I mean outside, I don't mean necessarily bent over with a fork like digging. So I have been listening to the no dig kind of with a bit of um, yeah, a bit of interest. But um really just being able to go out into the garden, uh pick a few veggies for lunch or for dinner and, you know, eat them then and there and then if there's enough things left over kind of come autumn, just to be able to preserve things well and that I will, you know, have I suppose the maximum benefit from the garden. Um, yeah, that, and and that, that, like that's like that is the ideal and that is what I suppose a lot of people are trying to get from their garden is, uh, you know, enough food for themselves, um, enough to be able to, to store some over winter or as time goes on, sort of plant stuff that will give you food sort of 12 months of the year. And the fact you have a polytunnel there to start with is, is great. I think I have been, I've been reasonably freaked out, um, over the pandemic in terms of, like, the thing that's scaring me the most about the future is um, food security, a little bit. Um, yeah. So I'd like to, I mean, I'm talking 20 years down the line in terms of what our supermarkets are going to look like, and I would like to have a hold on that um, for myself and my family and just to be able to be a little less reliant on the car and the supermarket. Um, so going forward, long term, that's what I'd be thinking of, and I'd love to have some animals as well. Um, poultry really Brilliant. and maybe a couple of sheep <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant yeah like it, and to have your daughter as part of that you know from you're talking about next summer having her out there mm. you definitely don't want to be doing and to be honest you won't be able to do heavy digging and uh, you know all of that grafting when your daughter's there and that's not really what you want to be doing you want to be doing the little intricate stuff like you want to be sowing your seeds with her yeah. putting your plants in with her and then obviously the watering they all, all the kids love doing that yeah. <laughs> and then i suppose the nice bit which is the harvesting of it and and that's where you mentioned no dig and i do think that that's system and when i posted about it a couple of weeks ago a couple of people i won't say pulled me up on it but a couple of people said that it's you know it, it's not a reality because you still have to dig your potatoes for example and it's it's a little bit silly because you do have to dig it dig out your spuds um but essentially digging out your spuds or planting in maybe shrubs into a into an ornamental bed they're the only times you need to dig really and and do anything heavy the rest of it is nicer work and it's it's on the surface work which 
is really easy to do and it's also really easy to do with children I think so I, definitely that's a route I would go if I were you because it will save you so much time and energy you know and you'll, you'll end up doing work that's a lot nicer and you'll be doing work with a two-year-old that should be next year you know yeah. as time goes on three and four and there'll be jobs that you will be able to do with you and that'll be nice as well I think something else that was pointed out to me which I think is really relevant when I was trying to clear um, a bit of the veg patch that had been overtaken by um, the weeds but it was pointed out to me that you know you need to get to know your weeds as well and if you clear the patch of ground earlier on in the year and it doesn't have a chance to go to flower and go to seed then you're not going to be dealing with you know that weed yeah, then and that, so much and that's know? true and actually I suppose any horticultural course that I have ever seen there is a big section on weed identification and that is, uh, I suppose, a little bit important. But I do think by using, you know, that complete no-dig system, you have so little weeds in there uh, that it becomes less relevant. So I, I, I think, yeah, I, I understand where someone's coming from, that you know what weeds are there, what ones have gone to flower the previous year, which ones are likely to sprout. But by doing this no-dig you're pretty much eliminating a lot of those. And then what you're dealing with is tiny weed seedlings. For the most part, what you're dealing with is tiny weed seedlings, weed seedlings on top of the ground, which is very, very easy to deal with. And to be honest, yeah. at that point, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter what they are. You can just pull them and they're gone. And so I think that's that's a really good system for, for you to adapt. And, you know, you don't have to do it on a huge scale. You can You can scale it down and just get one area right, whether that's, inside in the polytunnel and a small area outside um, and get that right and get that working correctly and then the rest like you said you weren't thinking of expanding and you're probably not but once you have the the method down and and sorted it's very easy then afterwards to add an extra couple of meters um, you know once 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 you've got used to it so you've mentioned the vegetables and and that you'd like to kind of have your own food and that's you know, one of the key drivers for you. Are you, and I know you're growing some sort of wildflower areas and you're growing cosmos and different things. Are ornamentals part of this garden at the moment? Is there, is there much there in terms of ornamentals or is it predominantly veg that you're, that you're looking at? It's mostly, yeah, there's a wildflower spiral, um, which is lovely. Um, not very well established. So we may have to like do a bit of reseeding next year. Yeah. Um, there's a willow, kind of a fence um, which I would love to have kind of more sculptural element to it in future um, but there's nothing really in terms of herbaceous um, border or or many shrubs now we do have like a traditional sort of a hedgerow and there's a couple of fruit bushes um, and there's a small orchard down the back as well lovely yeah it is great um, now I did have a bit of fun with all the um the fruit trees there in the last couple of weeks, mulching them and just making sure they're sort of happy now and free from grass. Um, but it's all very young, so um, yeah, it it really it really sounds like a nice a nice I suppose setup to walk into. You know, it's there and and uh, it's just a case of you getting it under control now and and uh, working with it. It's it sounds like a nice way to go. Um, what episodes of the podcast have helped you? I suppose, and is there is there any other topics that you'd like covered, um, or covered in more detail that maybe hasn't been covered before? Um, yeah. So 
like the one episode that I really enjoyed, I suppose, because at the time of year and everything that I was listening and that I was kind of in the garden, um, was episode 87 with Madeline from Brown Envelope Seeds. Um, oh, really interesting and just expanded my knowledge so much of just being able to walk out and collect seeds from the things that are already there. And I did have a little bit of, you know, saving my broad beans and stuff for next year. Um, but even in terms of drying them and storing them, um, and and she touched on some really interesting points um, in terms of seed acclimatization, like the fact that her seeds have been growing already in Ireland, some of them for, I don't know, 20 or 30 years. So they're very well established and you know that they're going to have probably a good enough chance in, in your garden. Um, and the fact that yeah. she's an Irish seed supplier as well is something I'd like to support. So I did go out and support as soon as I heard I bought some seeds off her and um, great service, really like nice choice of vegetables and not too overwhelming either. Um, like she has a really good selection, but you know, you're not just going into, you know, your local garden centre and seeing all the seeds in front of you, like, and not knowing yeah. where to even start. Um, so I yeah. love that episode. Um, and I did save, definitely, um, I tried to save some kind of pollinating plants. Um, like flowers for for the for the bees and I tried to save a good few of those um, just because they were like really easy to collect. Um, yeah. And I didn't have much luck with the veggies, but you know maybe maybe next year I'll have another listen. Um, I love yeah. the episode with so, Leisenberger as well. Um, that was number thirty nine. Oh yeah. Um, he just made he, he was a wealth of knowledge and he made so much sense just about talking about increasing the organic material that's in your soil and that's really all you need to do is get a better um better yield from your from your crops and about putting kind of carbon back into your soil. And I enjoyed the episode too about biochar. That was really um just interesting, you know? Yeah, that was yeah, very interesting, yeah. And you you kinda of don't know well I did yeah, I knew a little bit about it, but you kinda of don't think about it and, and it really the benefits seem seem huge, so I'll, I'll definitely be using that the myself soil next year. So important, and you know, I suppose once you understand your soil, you can do anything. But I'm at the stage of getting to yeah. know all all of that. You know, there's never enough you can know, I suppose, <laughs> about your soil. No, I mean, there's always always something that you can learn. But yeah, you're right in what you said. Like soil health, if you can get that right, then the rest is a hell of a lot easier. Everything after that gets easier. I think um, you're not you're not fighting against yeah. it then all the I time. Loved, um, with Nicole as well, episode 90, the Kitchen Garden Revival um, episode. That was really enjoyable to hear about her journey, even though like she's in the States. Um, I know it's not, well, it is a similar gardening journey, I suppose. Um, but just the fact that she is really trying to make gardening convenient for her life and how people need to kind of adapt that in order to make it successful. You know, that you need to just yeah. grow things that you want to eat. <laughs> As opposed to growing things, you know that you're yeah, like oh, grow what's in your fridge. Basically, or, is kind of the mess. Um, yeah, the message. Exactly. And if if you, if you don't, exactly. And I've been guilty of it at times. There's certain things that I don't like. Um, broad beans being one of them. Uh, I did think I was going to try them this year, but I haven't sowed them yet. Um, I never liked them, and so I suppose for the last good few years I haven't grown them. But and I I did think that I was going to go grow them this year and just give it another try, but I haven't <laughs> as of yet. So, yeah, it's important to grow what you like. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, time is, right. is there anything that you'd like to see more of, you know, any type of episode that, that would help you with, with the garden, you know, over the next, over the next few months? Um, yeah, well, I'm a, I feel like I'm yeah. through the back catalogue there, so, if even, so I'm sure, like, I'm sure, yeah, I've still got loads to learn and still got loads to discover through um, Master You're My welcome. Garden, so thanks a million for all the content so far anyway, it's been, uh, it's a real wealth, actually, and the fact that it's so um, relevant, you know, and, and local is really, really enjoyable, um, but in future, I'd love okay. to hear a bit more about successional sowing, like, and how to just kind of, I suppose, plan your garden, maybe, you know, are you actually sowing seeds every three weeks, and, you know, yeah. are you keeping a diary, tips on how to kind of make your, spread out your, your gluts, spread out your harvest, I know that. Yeah, it, kind is, of it, it is, but it, it, it is actually something <laughs> um, that I think I will definitely cover next spring, because, uh, well, you're not the first person to mention it, and I think generally, there will always be one one glut at some point because even if you're doing your your three week spacing because what will happen is the weather will the weather will stall one batch and then it'll kick off when you're when you're sowing your next batch and those two could end up coming you know give or take more or less together and um, but mm. for the most part yeah there is there is a way of doing it um not always yeah well, i i can i can i suppose show how it's done not always a hundred percent of doing it myself either, because I suppose it comes down with, for me, it comes down to a timing issue, whether ideally I should be getting out this week to sow on, on this particular day. And if it doesn't happen, then you're pushed a week further. And next thing you have a much shorter interval than you'd like, and you will end up with a glut. But yeah, look, that's, that's all part of it, I think. And not to get too stressed about it, but at the same time, there is a way of kind of guaranteeing, um, that, succession of vegetables pretty much pretty much for the you know the, all those months of the summer anyway so i will i'll definitely cover that in the spring is there anything else you'd like to see um i have i have a good few potted plants around the house i'd love to get help on how to kind of look after those in terms of cutting them back and i suppose growing shrubs in pots yep. maybe or or things that you haven't decided where you're going to plant yet necessarily um, I'd love to hear more about, you know, taking cuttings and propagating plants, um, you know, whether it's with a willow from the hedgerow yeah. or um, even taking cuttings from kind of house plants and how to grow them on so you can give them to your friends for gifts or whatever. Um, Stories. And I'd love to hear more yeah. of just local sustainability kind of um, personalities around the place. Um, everybody's got so many great tips to share, but it's until you really get into a in-depth conversation yeah. which you, ma- you, you did yeah. manage on the podcast um, I think that you really get the gems out so um, yeah. Mark Boyle is he's kind of an interesting guy up in Athenry I think he is and um, there's definitely like a lot of other um, yeah for sure yeah gardeners that might just have little tips here and there but you're doing amazing it's been it's been such a great um, find for me so, and I'm trying to share it with as many people as I can yeah delighted uh, to hear yeah. that yeah, on, on yeah, on the on the on the house plants actually, and I put my hands up, and I have done in the past as well. House plants for me, I don't have any particular grow for them, if you know what I mean. Um, we have house plants in the house, but I'm not overly, I don't overly, I don't know. It's not that I don't like them. Of course, I like them, but I don't, 
I don't have any massive interest in them, whereas I have a lot of interest in everything that's outdoors. Um, you know, veg and, and, and fruit and all of that. I have loads of interest in that. But houseplants for me, I couldn't at all, con- you know, call myself any sort of an expert on it because I don't know that huge amount about it. And it purely comes back down to my interest levels in it. Um, so I, I will cover houseplants again, but it'll be more than likely with the help of somebody who would know a lot more about them. Um, I think with the with the pandemic and everything, a lot of people probably tried to bring a little bit of the green indoors, and maybe it might just uh, expand your listener base a little and get people more. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. In tune with their balconies. Yeah, definitely, definitely cover it again. Uh, I have done one on house plants, or maybe two, one or two, not too many anyway. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll definitely look at it again. Um, and hopefully, all going well. I'd love to if if there was a live event or to try and make it to maybe an open garden session or something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, but I know that's all pending. Yeah, well, it's, I suppose it's in. in I've not I've nothing nothing set in stone yet, but but a live event will definitely be on the cards at some stage in the future. So we'll we'll, we'll keep you posted on that one. Uh, Abby, it's been really interesting to hear your garden, you know, gardening journey, and it sounds like a, a lovely setup to, I suppose, move into. And uh, I hope you have great success with it. And thank you for being a listener, albeit a recent listener. And thank you for coming on episode one hundred to share your story with us. Thanks for the content, John. I love that. That was a brilliant chat. Um, really enjoyable, and it's lovely to see the three different stages that these listeners have been at, and to hear that they're all getting something from the podcast is, you know, it's exactly why I'm doing this. It's exactly why Master My Garden started and it will become, you know, this is how Master My Garden is going to evolve by helping you, you guys in your own garden. And there will be, you know, other developments as go along and you guys, the listeners will be the first to hear about all those things. So, um, yeah, again, huge thanks to everybody for listening, for being a guest and for helping and for sharing. Uh, really appreciate it. I am absolutely delighted to hit a hundred episodes. As I said, at times, you know, feels like a million miles away, but someone said to me, it is significant and you definitely should celebrate it. So I think I'm going to do that now. And just one more time. Thank you all very, very much. Um, that's pretty much this week's episode. Um, not quite sure how I sign off this one, but I really, really do appreciate everything that you're doing, everything that you're, all the listens, all the shares. And uh, I'm going out to have a little bit of a celebration. So that's been this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And until the next time, happy gardening.